Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? Wes Moore with you. Christian Weaver, acre-free zone for the rest of the week. No acre today or tomorrow or next Thursday or no next Friday. Eli Craner's in here hanging out with us. What's up, man? What's up, man? It's all good. Looking tan. Looking tan. Well, trip to the beach does that. Yeah. Now, I thought I was being very responsible in case my uh, dermatologist is listening <laughs> and lathering on. But you still, I mean, when you spend so much time either on the golf course or on the beach, you're bound to get a little sun. Yeah, it happens. My bald head just attracts it, man. It's And I lather it on, too. So what do you, uh, do you have a cat of a do, preferred type yeah. of hat you wear? I switch. A lot. I have a lot of hats. You know, I like the 5950, like, and everybody gives me all kinds of heck because I, I had just rep, you know, all sorts of major league teams just because I'm bald and I like to wear a lot of different hats. I don't have the same hat, you know, but yeah, so I'll rock a lot of those. Some of those big old like boonie hats too. When when did you go just straight yeah. razor bald? Man, my, I probably had a receding hairline. I had long hair. I had hair that was like down past my shoulders when I was playing college. So every time I would, you know, we'd go play somewhere, the D lineman would you know, sunshine, sunshine, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. I mean, like, this was back in, remember the Titan days, you know, so I got that sunshine stuff forever, and then I play. I had it, I grew it all the way through college, grew it into that year when I played in Sweden, and that was probably when it was the longest, and then I came home, and I was home for just about three months between Sweden, I was supposed to go play in Cannes, France, in the French Riviera for a team called the Cannes Iron Mask. Mm. So it was going to be great, uh, but I cut my hair, and I went on a date with this girl from my hometown who would soon be my wife. And the only reason she said she went on a date with me was because I cut that nasty hair off. <laughs> so I ended up breaking the contract, never went to France, got married, and became a football coach. And, and that, it was, I went and shaved it clean uh, probably about five years ago. You know, and I just I buzzed it for a little while mm-hmm. and I was still watching it. And I read some book about Buddhist monks and why they shave there. It's like to remove all vanity, you know, like you remove all vanity. That's why they. So I was like, I'm tired of looking at this receding hairline, man. Just got out the razor, took it down. And then when did you start growing the beard? The beard was a COVID thing. Um, so I was home teaching virtually, like teaching online and the beard just started growing and then it came in nice and so i was like you know well it went against my buddhist monk philosophy you know because <laughs> now i'm very i get this thing lined up you know a dude a dude there in town i get a, I, I go see him regularly so but yeah it came, <laughs> came in nice and thick yeah it very thick yeah, yeah. You, you've done well with that <laughs> yeah it's amazing right you're it, like all this here oh man and well, what happened and up people here? who like knew me in college you know it's all i had all the hair you know <laughs> they're like what this is like reverse <laughs> so it's a trick i play when i see people i'm like i want to see something i have a picture on my phone you know and i'll show show the hair well we're talking with eli craner he's brought to you by our friends at jackalope and you were just telling me off the air that that place is is blowing up it's exploding man jo- and johnny brazil the owner he he graduated high school with me as well so really cool. Got a little connection there. Yeah. You just came back from the beach also. Yeah, we were down in Pensacola and then finished up to, to play into all this fishing talk they were doing on the show earlier. Um, we were down in Cocodree, Louisiana, so about an hour south of Homa. I mean, it's the most interesting place because it looks like another world. You know, mm. you drive down one of those little highways and it just in, all the houses are up on stilts. And now after Hurricane Ida, 
Um, some of those houses are still gone, so it's just these pilings sticking up, these stilts still sticking up. <laughs> and now, though, they've they've redone the marina, and they're dumping millions, I mean, bukus of money. So it's like you get down to the very end, and there's this resort, you know, <laughs> with $100,000 boats. And and so it's it's for, for a rider, it's a very um, interesting place, and just Cajuns in general. But, yeah, we caught a ton mm-hmm. of specs. We go with my father-in-law. Um, no redfish this year, but did see a lot of sharks. My dolphin, my daughter went and she, there was a dolphin that was, what he was doing was eating all the scraps. You know, he stayed right by the boat and my daughter got a big kick out of that. Oh, what a trip. Yeah. Limited out every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't happen much. So it was really good. Is that an area where you get to write? So I write that weekly column, you know, Mm -hmm. for the, um, for the Democrat Gazette and what I do these days so back in the day like when i was coming up when i'd made that switch from being a coach i would i was like learning and so i really did like put my foot down like doing a workout like you're gonna learn to run a marathon or whatever i was training and when we go on these trips it drove my whole family crazy you know the kids would go up for the nap and i'd go up and i'd go right like make sure i hit a word count like right now i'm in this process with my third book where like i just sent it off before we left on the trip for to my editor so they're working on it they're doing kind of timed up nice where i really could take a break so i wrote i wrote a column about cajuns that'll come out you know from seeing all that stuff um and that was about 700 words and that's it that's all that and then i wrote one about the beach when i was at the beach that earlier is the fourth book in the works yeah yeah Yeah. i kind of whispered this to you the last time i was there um right now the fourth book is it's it's in the works and it's taken on like bag men that bag oh, man that's right. whole the, thing the about Mississippi it's called Mississippi Blue 42 okay. so yeah like a fictionalized Hugh Freeze you know maybe like uh, Cohen Brothers does you know like a, a dark humor take on on college football back in the day of bag men where we were you know mm-hmm. paying those kids with the McDonald's bags maybe, maybe that still happens but now we've got NIL yeah now it's legal now, now, yeah, now you don't, don't have, have to hide have it McDonald's no. bag. Yeah. now it's McDonald's that's right <laughs> they can now. pay it <laughs> With football right around the corner, uh, we we had the AAA on yesterday, Bobby Swafford, and, and practices start oh, Monday. Man. Do you ever get the itch for football? That's a good question. No, and I used to get asked this, you know, about weekly, like especially when we moved back to my hometown um, in Russellville. I would get asked that, and no, I never, ever did. Well, I'll tell you what, and I still don't, not coaching. It was just – it was just a funny thing for me, the the coaching thing, um, the, like the way it happened. Like I told you, I cut my hair and all that. And my wife basically said to me, like, get a haircut and get a real job. And at that point, you know, <laughs> a European league quarterback wasn't a real – so about the only thing I could do was uh, was coach football. Um, and I loved it. And those five years were great. But it was like when, when I knew that that passion was dwindling, mm-hmm. you know, to hang in there and to halfway do a job like being a football coach or being a teacher, something where you've got that sort of power and impact. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't for me. So so I got out what I have started to miss just lately. And this is just finally is playing. You know, football's not like basketball. And I used for up until this past year, I played pickup basketball three days a week, 5.30 to about 6.30 every morning at our middle school gym with like 10 of my best buddies from high school. We played five on five, and I was the – I got it all set up on the text, you know. So I was – they what did they, they used to call the, um, the commissioner? They called me, you know, the commissioner. And so it really filled my, my competitive – we're playing three days a week for an hour yeah. full court. 
but my feet are starting to get like that plantar fasciitis. This, you know, and so I'm back down on that. I swim a lot now. And just recently, like last football season, I was watching. I thought, eh, you know, I wonder. I would, I would like to go do that, you know. But football's not like basketball. You can't play pickup football, mm-hmm. like real football. Yeah. So yeah, I've missed playing. Did you watch the, or have you watched the quarterbacks on uh, Netflix yet? No, but I've heard about it. It's good. Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's eye opening for a lot of people what quarterbacks go through, mm. the grind, and then everything they do off the field to prepare their their body uh, their mind like Kirk Cousins uh, he, he met with a psychologist each week he he had these things where he, he put on his brain to measure his like brain waves while he's studying and I mean they go through a lot week in and week out just to get ready for Sunday right. and that's mentally and then physically uh, the toll that it would take on their body it was just something else what all they went through just to be healthy enough on Sunday to play again yeah yeah I need to watch it yeah it'd be it'd be good fodder Good fuel for the mm-hmm. for the riderly fires. But it might uh, it might uh, fuel your desire to play football. <laughs> games too, so you, maybe not something you want to watch. Yeah, yeah. I got a list. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I got this email today. It's from the Sports Daily, thesportsdaily.com. and it's their list of the top ten college football quarterbacks in twenty twenty three. And number 10 is Frank Harris, a guy that a lot of people are familiar with at UTSA. Of course, UTSA, Texas Antonio's former coach, is uh, one of the Razorbacks' former assistant coaches, running back coach, and now at UTSA. K.J. Jefferson came in at number 9. Here's what they write about K.J. As he enters his third year as the Razorbacks' starting quarterback, Jefferson aims for his best season yet. The Hogs had a promising start during his first year, finishing with a respectable 9-4 and record. I think it's a little more respectable, isn't that? However, however, they faced some uh, challenges the following year, ended up with a 7-6 and six record. Despite this, he still managed to put up impressive numbers, recording 2,400 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, and only five interceptions. Additionally, he showcased his versatility as a dual-threat quarterback, running for 640 yards and nine touchdowns. You like KJ? Yeah, yeah. KJ, yeah. I mean, he's he's our guy for sure. He's He's – Pushing this, yeah. But I'll tell you who I'm really excited about. I think I mentioned this to you. Is uh, I was when my last year of coaching at Moralton, I was Jacoby Criswell was a ninth grader, so I had him in ninth grade English in the classroom. So I got to know him through that side. And then I also Coach McNabb at, at Moralton was one of my high school football coaches. He was the defensive coordinator at Russellville when I was there, and Colby was just like that. That that kid you know like from the moment even in ninth grade I mean I remember being in the film room and like we're watching a ninth grade game and he's like reversing field scrambling like sticks his back foot and like literally just with like the flick of a wrist you know like a real thrower like throws a ball all the way across the field like with with just his arm like back revert which you're never supposed to breaks all the rules you know um, so I'm I'm really excited I, I got personal interest in, in Colby and, and really excited to see him get out there that's one of the thing when you look back at that disappointing seven and six record from last year it was really because kj was hurt several games yeah and i think now with jacoby chriswell if that happens yes. again they've got somebody you can in run place. the whole playbook you can do yeah because colby that's one thing about colby he's he's a phenomenal passer he's got all the he's, speed and stuff that he needs to have but he he could when when if something happens with KJ and we have those couple of games or something, you know that that'd be great because he could not not that it'd be great that anything happened to KJ, but it'd be great because we have somebody who can run the whole offense and do things that way. So most people in Moralton call him 
Colby instead yeah, of Jacoby. Colby, yeah, Jac- yeah, yeah, Colby. <laughs> it was kind of stuck out when you kept yeah. calling him Colby. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, number eight on this list is Jaden Daniels, another SEC quarterback out of LSU. I think it's uh, pretty much uh, been argued back and forth, back and forth, who the top quarterback in the SEC is coming into this year. It's either KJ or Jaden Daniels. Travis uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State's number seven on this list. Cade uh, Klubnik. From Clemson. Right. Played yeah. a little bit last year, right? He was a freshman last year, right? And yeah. He He's the one who came in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell he's yeah, one he, of those guys. Good, yeah. yeah. He, he, uh, he, he's he got it. Sam Hartland from Notre Dame is number five yeah, on that list. Yeah. He was at uh, Wake last year, I believe. Yep. After an impressive five year tenure with the Demon Deacons. <laughs> five years. And now he's going to go to Notre Dame. Six years. Yeah, so this will be his sixth year. Is that still the COVID stuff? Is yeah. that where yeah. that's coming from? Mm-hmm. And he may have got like a medical or something at some point. Who knows? Yep. Uh, Bo Nix at Oregon at number four. God, I feel like Bo Nix is another like six-year guy. Yeah, he's like Steven Garcia. He's just yeah. been around forever. Well, he spent three years at Auburn. Uh, even was the SEC Freshman of the Year in 2019. <laughs> then he transferred, and this is his second year at Oregon, so this is a this is fifth, year. fifth year. Fifth year. Drake May from North Carolina is number three on this list. Wow, three. Michael Penix. Michael Penix Jr. is uh, number two from Washington. That's another uh, transfer quarterback. Played at Indiana. Played at Indiana. And then Caleb Williams from USC is number one on the list. Another transfer quarterback. I didn't realize. Oh, that's Oklahoma. right. Oklahoma. Yeah. So out of these, one, two, top Drake May did not transfer. No, he he's didn't. been he, at he's North been Carolina the whole time. Hartman transferred. Klubnik, no, he's he was at Clemson. Jordan Travis, has he been at Florida State the whole yeah, time? Yeah, I think he's just been at Florida State. Okay, Jaden Daniels a transfer. Of course, KJ's been here. Frank Harris uh, from UTSA, I think he was a transfer too. Yeah, I'm not sure. About that. All right, that's the list. Top ten quarterbacks. We can talk more about that. That's the Sports Daily. Uh, dot com that put out that list uh, early this morning. We're talking with Eli Craner. He joins us in the studio. Thanks to our friends at uh, Jackalope. You got a couple of books you brought along today. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So I'm going to always try when I when I come on, you know, if anybody out there is wanting to get back into reading or, you know, if there's anybody. And, and these are more maybe sports centric or, you know, uh, listeners of this show that might I, I, I try to curate. You know, I try to curate this Mm -hmm. list. So the guy I got today, it's not one specific book. It's an author, and his name is Ace Atkins. So Ace Atkins played defensive end at Auburn, uh, D-line, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Y'all could probably pull this up. Um, Ace Atkins Sports Illustrated cover. I think he's sacking Danny Warfel uh, in Florida. Is that Mm -hmm. right, the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like, flexing. And Ace is a big guy. Uh, So Ace lives in Oxford, Mississippi now. And Oxford for me has always it's like a writer's mecca. It's the, it's the mecca, yeah. It, that's what oh I was man, say. it is like um, you've got Faulkner, you've got Grisham does a lot of stuff with Ole Miss, and then there's a lot of current writers who live there. You know, there's probably ten you know people who are New York Times bestsellers or you know poet laureates or whatever. They're all gathered there. Um, it's just a very literary community, and so I went there um, back in like 2010, back in the long hair days. And went to this thing right when I graduated college before I left for Sweden. It was called the Yakna Patafa Writers Workshop. And Yakna Patafa is the Faulkner's fictional county where he set all his books. So it's this writer's workshop. And it was the first time where, like, I didn't have my football jersey on, you know, and I put on my writerly cap and I took some short stories. And, and this we're, we're doing all these things. And it's weird. It's weird to be a football player, a quarterback at a university, 
and be an English lit major and be writing short stories in your free time. And, you know, that was always weird. And so I'm at this deal kind of, you know, sowing my artistic roots. And this dude looks like you walks in, you know, and he's carrying books. Like, looks like Wes, you know, big, big guy. Um, and he's one of our first speakers. His name's Ace Atkins. And he's talking about how he's a crime writer, Southern crime writer. Um, and he's talking about his career in football. His dad was a football coach, coached every – I mean, we can look him up. And I think his name was uh, Billy, Billy Atkins. But he ended up at, like, the 49ers. And so Ace has got this huge background. And so he picks me out of the crowd, too. Um, and we hit it off. And this was 2010, so, like, 12 years before – my first book was ever going to come out and over all this time we kept going back and forth but the books that i'd, I'd really recommend by ace he's got a whole series that are kind of like walking tall um kind of like a modern day walking tall um about this guy quinn colson who's an army ranger who comes back to a fictional mississippi county called tibaha county and he becomes a sheriff you know and starts whooping up on all you know cleaning out and cleaning house and it's classic it's it's um the Dukes of Hazard meets Walking Tall, you know, good old boys just yeah. handling business. And, and this is my favorite one. It's called The Innocence. Um, and it's got this really dirty high school football coach that, that, like, I could know you, like, Ace, you can tell he knows the territory, you know. <laughs> and, it's, and it's beautiful, The Innocence. And then Ace also does um, this guy named Robert B. Parker, who was back in, like, the 80s and 90s, wrote a bunch of these, these Spencer novels this guy died, Robert B. Parker, and his family chose Ace to carry on the estate. So Ace still continues that. So he has been, up until this past year, he's been publishing both of these series, two books a year. Oh. So that's like 80,000, 90,000 words. <clears throat> so, so you talk about a football player turned novelist. You've got this discipline, this drive. You mm. know, he's churning it out. Um, and he's got a new book coming out in 2024 that's nothing like either one of these. He's, he's broke. He's paused these. And so I'm excited to see what that is. But, yeah, that's Ace. How often do you all talk? You know, Ace is kind of like he's kind of like in coaching, where you know you're the young buck coach, and you got coach my, my that my guy when I was coaching that was Rick Jones at Greenwood. You know, I would drive up to Greenwood because uh, Rick was always in the office at about ten o'clock at night. Like he he always stayed in there. And Ace is kind of that guy for me in publishing. When whenever I'm like, uh, you know, this contract looks wonky or this stuff is nah, or you know, Ace is who I call. So once a month, and then if I go to Oxford. Um, you know, I'll always, we always, there's a great bar there called City Grocery, um, which is again, kind of like a, like there's a guy called named Larry Brown who's dead now, but Larry Brown was a fireman, didn't have a college education and ended up publishing like six or seven novels straight out of Tula, Mississippi, which is right outside of Oxford. Um, and Larry Brown has like a plaque on that wall where he used to like drink and uh, write and, and so Ace will go in there and, and. Yeah, he's he's about as cool as they get, and his books are just just great. So, do the writers all get together? You hear about you know musicians, yeah, write you know that yeah. we'll get together and just have like a little jam session and and write songs. Yeah, are writers like that? Well, uh, there's no real jamming. That's that's the problem. Is you know writing is truly a solitary thing. But what Oxford does a great job of is they host a lot of conferences. Um, so. Just this past spring, right about the time I think I was, I was, I just left there to come here when we first came on when Ozark Dogs was coming out. Um, they have a thing called the Oxford Conference for the book, and they'll bring in authors from all around the world, you know, to Oxford, Mississippi. 
So that's always really cool. And then there's a great bookstore there called Square Books. It's on the square right mm-hmm. there in Ole Miss. Um, and it has been there since like the heyday of John Grisham. Like when John Grisham was in, it's like the place where they would have lines going all the way around, the, you know, like all the way around the square. Um, and so what that does is they get a lot of authors who come there. I mean, people from all mm-hmm. around, they come through to do an event at that bookstore and they have a lot of readers there. So all these authors, usually after these events, they end up at City Grocery. You know, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of shop talk that goes down, you know, at City Grocery and and just just hanging out with with people who are in the same business and and trying to put the black on the white. When talking to other authors, do you get ideas for books or do you get ideas about the process? (sighs) Man. So, yes, process. Yes. I, I do this column for this website called Crime Reads, where it's a once a month deal where I interview and it's been the best thing I, I didn't it was organic I didn't think of it like this to begin with but it's given me like a green card to go talk to any author that I want to um, and I talk about process and I always learn something every time um, but one thing they say about the actual creative juices and things especially like if you're starting a new book or working on something before you've written the end you don't ever talk about it Mm-hmm. Because they say it's like letting the air out of the balloon. And the reason is, like, if I'm sitting here pitching you guys on some new idea, and you're like, oh, uh, you know, you give me, s- mm-hmm. then, like, when I go back to my desk tomorrow morning and I'm pulling myself out of the bed to say, like, all right, I'm going to say, then I'm like, but remember how Wes looked at me when I said this? <laughs> like, maybe this idea isn't worth a thousand more hours of my life, you right. know? And so you just don't talk about it until it's done, until that first draft. Is done. Then you send it out, editors, uh, early reader, friends, family, and then you start collecting, you know, so that you can chip away at it. When you write a story, do you know how you want to end it before you get there? It depends. So um, some books, yes. Ozark Dogs, I had completely outlined. Um, but then other books, no. I'll just kind of get an idea. And it depends on the type of story. Like Ozark Dogs was more of a straight line thriller. And so I felt like it needed these certain plot points and twists. If a book is maybe like this Mississippi Blue 42 book um, that is finished, a rough draft is finished, so I can <laughs> talk about it. Um, it's it's all over the place. You know, it's it's like a Quentin Tarantino. It's like a Pulp Fiction. It's like a, it's got these weird, you know, things. So I don't I don't try to pin myself to like what's going to let it kind of go. And and that's a lot more painful way to do it. <laughs> Talking with Eli Craner. He's going to hang out with us for uh, another segment for yeah. he's got to get out of here. <clears throat> we'll take a break. When we come back more with Eli, talk a little football, take some phone calls. Stick around. It's an acre free zone. Wes Moore, Christian Weaver with you. We got Eli Craner. Thanks to our friends at Jackalope. Need a bike? Jackalope's a place, I guess. Yeah, man. Beautiful store, too. They redid this little place right in the downtown area. Um, so, cool, cool place. Great people, too. Well, Friday night's coming up. Do you take time away when you uh, take the kids to some football games? Man, I went to, I've gone to one high school football game since I've been out. Uh, and it was my wife's like ten year high school reunion. So Russell, hmm. uh, both of us went to Russellville mm-hmm. High School. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's not been like a purposeful thing, but it was like what I was saying about mountain biking. Like our, my kids are six and three, and they're asleep at like seven forty five, <laughs> and like that means a lot to us because like we get them down yeah. and then we get mommy and daddy time, and we're on this crazy schedule. And that's how my like my daughter was born. 
at the end of my last season at Moulton, you know. So it has been like six years, you mm-hmm. know. And in that time, yeah. So I, I just hadn't hadn't done it, man. Those times are probably coming. Oh, the kids coming. get older. Yeah, and we go to college games and, and we go to yeah, and, yeah. And we'll you know college games during the day if OBU comes in town, plays Tech or something like we're always we go to those and. And that sort of stuff. So, are y'all on a series or something? You and your wife like to watch right now? No, see, I go back down in the. I'm like old Coach Jones, man. I go back down to the office and start doing. And she, she, she reads. And but we, we went for a long time in and out of football season. We turn off our TV, so like turn it. So like the all we have is like Disney Plus, so mm-hmm. we can see Bluey and like whatever the kids are watching. <laughs> and then, and then when football, see, we'll we'll re up the Hulu or you mm-hmm. know or whatever. So man, we don't. I don't know. It's probably not. Uh, it, it's how we do it, but it's it's a lot of a lot, a pretty scheduled routine. So you're not a TV or movie guy. Every once, in, like I'm excited about the new Justified. So do you okay, remember that yeah. old series Justified Timothy with Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, and it was it's based on this book uh, by a short story by this guy I love named Elmore Leonard, which he wrote like Get Shorty and Out of Sight. And those Didn't old, know that. Yeah. So Elmore Leonard, he also wrote Three Ten to Yuma. Uh, the Tall T, like a bunch of old westerns, but Justified is based on this short story called Fire in the Hole. And so there's a whole series that was like 2010 to 2016, um, which I love. Like some, and I I'm excited. Like this is what I'll do. You know, like might we might have to get the subscription early because if something comes on, uh, I was a big Ted Lasso fan. Like being a dude playing American football in Sweden. Uh, to watch an American football coach coach soccer, you know, like that was that was, and it was just beautiful. So there's certain things that I'll I'll click into. And, what what was the season in Sweden? What what were the yeah dates? man? So we got there. So he, here's how Sweden worked. There were only two Americans on the team, okay. and the reason so they called they found me. I got a Facebook message. I had a bunch of stuff going out into like trying to get into MFA programs. I really wanted to go to Ole Miss which is a master's in fine arts and creative writing. So I could be a creative writing professor and then try and write my books, you know, and that was the whole plan. And then I get a Facebook message from a team in Karlstad, Sweden. And I thought it was a joke, but I was on some sort of like long list for the, what's the D2 award? Like the, um, yes, their Heisman, the Heisman, Harlan Hill. Hill. That's it. Yeah. And so what they did was they sent like a blast to everybody who was on this long list that played the quarterback. They needed a quarterback. And so I get it and ends up, they, they start talking to me. And one of the questions, and it sounded so good. Like we literally practiced two days a week and then we played on Saturday. And like they cover your stuff to come over there. They give you uh, breakfast and lunch and then like meals on, suppers on you. And then you get paid a little bit of money. Um, and so I, as, as I'm doing this interview, I'm thinking more and more, I'm like, man, I got to go do this. And then they ask the last question. They're like, have you ever been interested in coaching? And I was like, yeah, yeah. It, it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I could coach. The reason they wanted to coach was because they could save them money. So if they brought a quarterback who, like, could install an offense, call the offense from the field, then they don't have to pay two plane tickets, two things. So I ended up, I brought our, uh, like, a, a version of the OBU playbook over. And most of the Swedes spoke English, and it was really players from all, like, Sweden, we played teams in Germany, Austria. We play all around. But we only had two Americans. You can only have two imports on a team and only one on the field at a time. It's kind of like the Korean Basketball League. Yeah. You have two Americans. Yeah. So one for offense and then one for defense. Um, and the dude who played defense, well, he was a safety. He was from uh, 
Northern California, and when I got the head coaching job at Clarksville, I called him and he came to be my DC. And it it didn't go so great when we were in Clarksville. Well, we we won the Swedish whole the whole thing. Like we won the Super Bowl, and we didn't we didn't do so hot. <laughs> we, the Swedish ways didn't work in uh, Clarksville. What was the level of comp in the Sweden Football League as opposed to D two? I would say really similar. Um, I would say yeah, really right along that same same line, except maybe less speed because I was never a speedy guy. And when I got over there, I thought Michael Vick. I was like, "Yeah, like what is this? Like, <laughs> this is fun, you know." So yeah, but it was it was a it was a sixteen game season, and we play, and that was going all the way through the playoffs to to the end, and we got in March, and then I came home in like end of November, early December. Here's why it took so long is because in the middle of the summer, like. Eight games into the season, they just completely stop for like a month and a half. And the reason is, is because Sweden is on like the same latitude line as Fairbanks, Alaska, this place I was. So we have those days of, days in, of in no summer where, oh, okay. uh, where it's all sun, you know, it's all. all okay. And so the whole country, because it's like midsummer, you know, and it all shuts down. And they're out, you know, doing the Midsommar activity. I've, I've so, seen Midsommar so, the movie. Yeah, yeah. So we just <laughs> stopped. You know, I, luckily that movie hadn't come out when I was over there. I might have never gone. Um, but, yeah, because, you know, they're in the dark during all the winter, you know. And so when that sun comes out, man, those Swedes, like, the whole country. crazy. Even, I mean, yeah. So we just stopped football for, like, a month and a half, and then it picked back up. You stayed know? over there during that month and a half? Oh, yeah. What yeah, did yeah. you do? A lot of things, man. <laughs> a lot of things, yeah. A lot of midsummer. We danced around the Maypole and, you know, all these. They had, where I was, it was around this, the biggest lake in Sweden called Lake Vanneren, which is like a, like size of like the Great Lakes. It's a huge, like ocean-like lake. So, I, uh, like my buddy, the guy who was there from California, they traveled. He, he and his wife were there together. I, I hadn't, I still had the long hair, but I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't met my wife yet, you know. So I was out there, and uh, I just hang around with, hung around with the guys because that was, that was the coolest part was you were kind of, we had a little apartment, but you were just there, you know, meeting a bunch of dudes from other, other countries. What was the name of your team? The Carlstad Crusaders. Mm. Yeah. Did you get a uh, ring or anything? I did. Yeah. I got a ring on the desk at home, man. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Love the stories, Eli. Yeah. I appreciate it. This is fun getting to hang out with you once a week. I'm glad you came by today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you, uh, I guess, next Tuesday. Is Sounds that the plan? Good. Yep, I think so. All right. Eli Craner brought to you by Jackalope. Uh, we'll, we'll get back with him next week.